Welcome back to the Disaster Tough Podcast. I'm your host, John Scardina. I am so excited for this episode. If you want to back up like maybe a year or two, I think about a year, year and a half. It was the first time I met uh, Vanessa Flores through uh, Randy Steiner. So big shout out to him at uh, University of California, Irvine. They have a phenomenal team. So I got to reach out to uh, or say hi to Shane and Krista as well. Again, great team over there at UCI. And uh, I had the opportunity to see how they operate up close. And then you fast forward to a dynamic populations course in St. Louis here this year. And uh, we really need some of you to understand mass care from an organizational perspective. And um, you have Vanessa Flores, the great Vanessa Flores. She came, she conquered, and uh, she really won over like literally all the hearts of uh, everybody there. We were just so impressed by the way that she addresses emergency management. And uh, she, funny enough, she brought a level of professionalism to us. Um, we already thought we were professional. And then we saw like a real professional do it. And we're like, oh, shoot, this is like a real professional here. Um, and it's probably because of her military background. Yes, Zach is in the military as well. Big shout out. Um, but she was able to really articulate that um, that level of professionalism all the way through um, this exercise. It was really intense. And it was her first time with us. And uh, it was just a knockout. And so I wanted her to come onto the podcast. And so uh, she could uh, introduce herself to the audience, if you will. And um, please learn from her and hear from her experience. And so without any further ado, with a window on the side, Vanessa, welcome to the podcast. Hello, hello, everybody. <laughs> so uh, first things first, you were in the military. Yes. And now you're working for a university. Mm -hmm. um, before we really get into all of that, like, can you um, just like maybe like take 30 seconds or so to like talk about how you got into EM and like why you're still in the field? Because you kind of took a unique path, if I recall. Yes, absolutely. Actually, I needed to join the military just because I was not really doing well on the it outside. Was that or jail? Yeah, you know, I'm not to that extreme, but, you know, down that path. So I went to the recruiter and, uh, you know, obviously I went to the Navy first and then I talked to some friends and they're like, please go walk across the street to the Air Force before you sign anything. So sure okay. enough, I did that. And they were showing me all the, the living accommodations. And so I got sold on emergency management because it was the next available job. Mm -hmm. um, so I took it and, you know, did it for 12 years. And actually, my education background is human resources because I just like working with people. So I figured, you know what? I've already learned this job. The education is, you know, from the military. So let me try something else because when I get out, I'm going to do something different. So 12 years later, had my daughter decided to punch uh, so she can come home and be with her cousins and grow up with them like I did. Um, and then thought, let's go to HR. Let's do this. Right. Couldn't find a job. Lo and behold, I just didn't have the experience, regardless of how much education you have. They did not care. So yeah. I found myself uh, back in emergency management at the Naval Weapons Station in Seal Beach as their emergency management officer. So it, I kind of feel like it chose me at that point, because at that point, it's like, well, we're doing this then. So yeah. since then, I was kind of a uh, you know, feeling around the the federal, trying to learn the Navy side of it, and then realized I've done this. I don't want to continue doing this, at least for the federal side. I feel like I need to expand and really put my EM skills to the test and see what I can do in a different industry. So hmm. I found uh, the job at the University or California, sorry, University of California in Irvine. And um, Randy Steiner's been great. And I absolutely love higher education. It's been awesome yeah. I've been for two and a half years and absolutely love it. 
if I was going to go back into like the the other side of the house, I couldn't go into local government. I think I could do feds again, but I want to be a dad. I yeah. think the most complex style of emergency management right now is probably for universities. It's mm-hmm. the most challenging. You have a you have a living population. You have a population that changes every day, and mm-hmm. a bunch of PhDs who are focused on their PhD. And so it makes a, an interesting dynamic for you specifically. And I, and I can see why that'd be a fun challenge for sure. Mm-hmm. The L3 Harris Extreme 400P radio solves problems and is specifically designed for emergency services. How do we know? We field tested it with medical, urban search and rescue and collapse and confined structures. This radio is amazingly tough. Check out the L3 Harris Extreme 400P radio at l3harris.com right now. If you served in the military, you've probably worn Proper Apparel. Proper Apparel is now reaching out to first responders and those who love the outdoors. Check out Proper Apparel from the outdoors to the EOC, wear proper. How do you spell Doberman Emergency Management? EOP, OEP, HVA, HMP, Thyra, TTX, Drone, PDA. Whenever you need an expert, Doberman Emergency Management field experts are there for support. Contact an expert at DobermanEMG.com today. Absolutely. I mean, you're dealing with uh, faculty, which has been new for me, uh, researchers who, like you said, have their own mindset, have their own idea of what they feel is important. And, you know, their research is always the most important research. And we really, as emergency management, have to kind of balance that out and determine you know, really what's going to be the the priority at that time for not only the researchers, but also for the students and the faculty as well. So it's kind of that finding that that balance. But I do enjoy doing emergency management for higher education because I feel like I'm setting the stage for my daughter to be able to come in and know, hey, when you go to UC Irvine, it's a safe place. I know that because I created the evacuation zone signs there. And awesome. So you're, it's just it's super cool. Yes. So yeah. my my cousin actually just started this year. So I think that was really cool to be able to tell her and kind of walk her around and be like, okay, those signs, this is me, you know, the QR code, make sure you sign up for Zoddler, all that stuff. So it was just really neat. I really hated those QR. No, uh, no, it was awesome. <laughs> I love UCI and you guys have done a lot of great things there. Um, I talk about the dream team. There's other mm-hmm. campuses. They have like something like 15 emergency managers. Mm-hmm. And well, I think that's cool. Sometimes I wonder like what they're actually doing. But when I look at your team of four, I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. this is how a university could be designed. Like like this, this dream team of four, mm-hmm. and then everybody should hire Doberman Emergency Management and this supplement. No, I, I think you guys really have something figured out. Um, the, the reality is like um, one of the things that I find uh, fun about campus emergency management and healthcare emergency management is at the National Cancer Institute, I, I had to do the same thing, especially when you do like business continuity planning. Mm-hmm. You're going up to a, a doctor who has poured their heart and soul into their research. And I get it. They're there long days, year after year. They're trying to do this, uh, figure out this hypothesis. And somehow you have to tell them, hey, doctor, I know you're trying to make shrooms more potent, but this really isn't cutting edge. And you're like, how dare you? You yeah. know, it's like, Ugh. yeah, that's um, the life you're talking about right there. Yeah. And it is there. And for them, mm-hmm. that is the thing, right? Like mm-hmm. um, they can't think about anything else. And that's why they're doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. How do you balance that as an emergency manager, especially with dealing with faculty and dealing with researchers and, um, trying to understand different priorities and needs. A campus doesn't want to look like a prison. 
right? Right, right. Um, and yet it needs to be a safer than one, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, so how would you, how do you navigate that? So I think the first part is really just being educated on exactly what their needs are. And I think uh, the most recent uh, example I have is the vivarium. So again, coming from the military, going to higher education, I had no idea what a vivarium even was. You're talking um, so, like Black Panther stuff right now, or what? No. <laughs> so what we did was like, hey, can you give us a tour first of all? And found out super cool things about the university I didn't even know. Um, so went on a tour. Let them explain it. Let them educate you on exactly what it is that they do, uh, what their needs are, how their operation works, so that when you take that back to emergency management, we can kind of look at our plan to say, okay, how can we help them, or how can we actually make that uh, bridge or that link in an emergency situation to make sure that whatever your needs are, are being communicated, but at the same time, making sure that we take that opportunity to also educate them on our operation to say, okay, so you're feeding into this, which is our emergency operations center. And you're reaching into this person because this person is going to direct us um, on and be basically be that liaison to tell us what your needs are to help, help you during that emergency. So, you know, gathering all that data from everybody across of the campus and being able to kind of make that assessment and the uh, EOC is probably what's going to help us be able to make those determinations and those big decisions. Right. So most of the time they don't even know what the EOC is just like, I didn't know what the vivarium was. So really just bridging that gap, I think is huge. I'm trying to report to the EOC. What's the EOC? It's an Mm -hmm. acronym. Oh, okay, cool. And getting back to that campus perspective, because this is everybody's opportunity right now to learn about, campus emergency management and really like Mm -hmm. your perspective of crossover we were kind of dangling it but what were your core responsibilities um, in the air force and emergency management are they different and if they are different what are your core responsibilities now Uh, so 100 different especially Mm -hmm. for the air force we're the only um uh, service that has a dedicated emergency management career field so growing up in that career field it really starts from the bottom. They focused on uh, equipment and we actually were emergency responders to uh, sea burn incidents um, at that point. And then as we grow in rank, we then move up to, uh, we get to be in the EOC now. Um, you know, we manage the teams and then we get to be in the EOC as the ESF5. Um, and then as you get a little bit higher, then they'll put you in the EOC manager position or coordinator position. Um, and then you kind of just move up from there. So you kind of learn both sides of the house and the response side, and then also the EOC side. Um, so obviously that's pulled away in higher education. We don't do any responding other than going to the emergency operations center. And we do a lot more of the planning aspect of it uh, ahead of time, which personally for me, I enjoy much better. I just could not get into like the response, you know, suiting up. What? I know, right? I so love we, the response stuff. I cannot, I cannot just... Oh sweat God. and like you know taping everything up it was oh just my like, gosh that's like, the, like <laughs> that's like the best feeling i'm like yeah no. you're like seeing your boss who's like on his fifth day of wearing the exact same outfit and it's like you know it's you're just... like try not to make this look if you're watching the video right now you're like Ugh. you know right, exactly. um, but, we're, but you're all like that and you're like thinking like they're the smelly person and then you walk into like another room and you're like nobody else is oh <laughs> like, no wait, is it me? i'm the only person <laughs> but like I love that response stuff. Um, it was not for me. It was not. So being able to funny. kind of pull that away and then just focus on the planning and the writing and, you know, the, mm. all that, that is totally my realm right there. So I truly enjoy that. And that's kind of where I thrive. 
Uh, I have seen your writing firsthand, and it is phenomenal. Also, shout this is like the shout out episode uh, to Maxine and Sai, who are also working with us and writers. Just really yes. incredible people. Super amazing. I need to have Sai in this episode uh, on yes. this podcast sometime. Sai, you're nuts. Um, Sai, you're up. Here's your call out. <laughs> um, I've had I I've have a video of her mom on Instagram for all those who are listening. Uh, mm -hmm. Literally dancing with her mom, um, yes. Sai's mom. So. Um, yeah, John's dancing probably. skills are on par. All right, let's go. <laughs> yes, my one move that I still remember from salsa way back when. Um, okay, so if it's a hundred percent different, this is like the problem. I actually just talked to uh, Shad. Um, he's the director of Portland. I think it's going to come out the week after yours, to be honest. Mm -hmm. But we just had this conversation about like emergency management uh, identity crisis. The readiness yeah. lab is really trying to address that by whether people like it or not creating standards hey we wear the black shirt you know color coded for the different sections um mm -hmm. it's okay to wear a t-shirt and eoc so you don't sweat there's a there's a thing right um, there. <laughs> there you go um there's there's lots of things that we're trying to do to create a brand more than a logo but a brand mm -hmm. of emergency management because we'll go in there and um people have no idea what emergency management is and it's like half the time you're just trying to explain your vision and then you leave and somebody else gives their version right. and it's like and you're trying to fight like the tide like hey we just want to do a quick pause x to thank our sponsors l3 harris proper paladin biasella impulse doberman emergency management and especially all of you who have been donating to our podcast thank you for helping us boost the signal all right let's jump back in how do you deal with that? If it's a hundred percent different, then how how can you even say that? I don't know. Like we're a field. I don't know. Okay, so just to your point about it being different. So in the military, also it depends on who that leader was. Sometimes they change out every two years. Sometimes it was every four years, right? But it was like, hey, we're going to focus really, really heavy on Seaburn, and it's like that's that person's focus. They think that's super important. So we all transition all this training, and that's what everybody wants to push. Uh, change of leadership it goes back this way and they're like hazmat that's what we need we need this yeah. and you know it's back on that and it's just kind of back and forth so you can really never get that broad scope of exactly what it is you're supposed to be doing it's just whatever that leader wants you to do and that's mm -hmm. kind of how i felt in there so i feel like coming out into the higher education realm i was kind of able you know you, you really focus on those core concepts of what the basic emergency management focuses on um, so, you know, your preparedness and, and those different uh, pillars to be able to say, OK, let's look at every different area and make sure, you know, whatever we're supposed to be doing based off of our jurisdiction or whatever type of institution you're working at for emergency management, that you're covering those bases, bases. So if you're doing something like leadership change, like regardless of what they say is the priority. Yeah, you can mm -hmm. adjust accordingly, but, you know, you're still covering your areas and you're still doing the basic uh, emergency management standards. Right. Copy. So I get that. Um, why, why Air Force for emergency management? Not like, I don't know, National Guard, Army. I get Marines. Yeah. But <laughs> well, I told you, I went to the Navy first and they were like, yeah. you're going to travel everywhere. You get to go see all these places. Yeah. We didn't tell you how much time that you actually spent at those places versus how oh. much you actually spent on the boat. So mm. I was already sold. I was ready to sign. And thank goodness I didn't because, again, went to go talk to my friends about it because I didn't know anything military before then. Yeah. There was nobody in my family that was military for me to you know, talk to or educate from or anything like that. Mm. So it was kind of just, hey, friends, this is what I'm doing. And they're like, oh, I had a buddy. Thank goodness that was uh, he had a cousin in the Air Force. And he's like, I would go to the Air Force recruiter 
So I did. And, and they were just like, here's your living conditions. And, you know, you know, points out the differences between the services and sure. kind of a no brainer at that point. But like I said, I was in a position to sign regardless. <laughs> just yeah. my circumstances. So it really didn't matter at that point. I guess my, uh, my question is like, why, why does the air force do emergency management versus the other branches? Is there a specific reason or well, is it luck of the draw? I'm not sure. I know they have it as the dedicated career field, but I believe the army actually does the CST, which is the, uh, Oh, that's pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, but they are super awesome, but that's all they do. Yeah. Right. So they practice, it's like fire department. That's all they do. They, they practice those skills. They do it. And they're mm. like to a T. I mean, it's so seamless. Um, I'm not sure why the air force decides to kind of separate or actually combine those two. And I think that's kind of what the problem was. And I've, when I was back in, they kept talking about how they were going to separate it and do like, okay, there's going to be emergency management planning. And then there's going to be emergency management response, which is kind of going to be like the CST of the army. But they never did that. So you're, you're hurting me. I'm listening to you. My, I'm going to have a general on here. I'm going to set everybody the record straight. Um, <laughs> in fact, Colonel McKinney is now general McKinney. Yes. So big shout out to him. Who's been on the, the episode yes. and he, Man, that guy has just figured things out. I like mm -hmm. him so much. Um, he's in UCOM right now, so uh, hopefully he's doing well. Yep. But um, yeah, maybe maybe it's time to revisit that like military emergency management conversation. Yes. I, I get a lot of flack when I talk about how the National Guard and specifically, but Air Force would be included in that. The military standards perspective. Mm -hmm. um, that professionalism piece that I called out right in the beginning, mm -hmm. emergency management could use more of that. Mm -hmm. And um, people really try to push back on standardization. I think sometimes it's because they're afraid that they won't be able to do so much in their job. I think other times in a, a rare case, it's because somebody is afraid that they'll realize that they're not, been, they're not doing emergency management and yeah, that standards that will mold. include them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, however, the, the reality remains the most important function of emergency management is to make sure that people aren't hurt, that functions mm -hmm. still happen, that property isn't damaged and to coordinate all those pieces. Mm -hmm. And if our stakeholders don't really know what we do or respect that we're an afterthought, or they don't know what it looks like when we show mm -hmm. up on scene, I don't. I push really hard against uh, wearing vests, for example, because mm -hmm. we're not mm -hmm. construction workers. Right. 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 Um, and we're not wearing the suit because we're not the FBI. Right. So mm -hmm. like, what are we like? It, what is the persona of emergency management? Mm -hmm. And that's what I was talking a shot about. So it's kind of a heads up to everybody's listening. Now they're going to hear about all about that next week mm -hmm. um, from the from the standards piece, from that mm -hmm. rigid perspective of being in the military for 12 years and then moving over into a different realm mm -hmm. how how did that transition work out for you was it difficult did you love it you're like finally i'm free i get to wear you know whatever i want or you're like oh man like we could really use a lot more of this like what were your thoughts on that so to be honest i even saw that between the air force and the navy so coming from the air force we have our uh you know air force instructions that i could spit back anything or at least go and you know control fine and be like oh there it is right there says you have to do this or you know it was just yeah. so fine-tuned over there that there really wasn't a whole lot of room for the muddy areas 
Um, and then I go to the Navy and I, I'm looking for like, well, where's the uh, where's the instruction? You know, where, what are we supposed to be doing? What is the uh, guidelines <laughs> here? Yeah. So there there was instruction, but it was a lot more broad. Right. You had a lot more room to interpret things. And so that left room for a lot less standardization mm. because everybody kind of interpreted it their own way and ran their program that way. So when we all came together as like, here's all these bases, like, well, we're definitely doing things significantly different. And we're all tying it back to this one regulation where I felt like Air Force definitely had it laid out. So then going into higher education, I really, really lost because they do have their NFPA standards, but at the same time, really open for interpretation on some yep. of those. And it yeah. really just makes for all these different programs all over the place, which is why we have to collaborate so much to be like, well, how are you doing You know, this concept? And how are you doing this concept? And then you take lessons learned. And be, oh, I kind of like the way they did that. But I don't like this, so I'm going to change that. And it just—they're so different. They're just crazy. What, I'm what such a, a big standardization person. Like I thrive on standardization, and I push for it so much. But you, like you said, not everybody feels the same way. And so you can push all day, but if the top's not supporting it, you're not going to get it. When can we start saying that those people are wrong? Yeah, I don't know. like I you think there's a, I think there's a fear that if you create a standards, then you can't operate. Mm -hmm. And I'm much more, I started using like vernacular and we only have a couple minutes here mm -hmm. um, where I'm like, okay, foundations. Like as long as you have the consistent foundation of branding, style, approach, needs, mm -hmm. and scope, mm -hmm. then you can say, hey, at my institute, the thing that we care mo most about is X. Mm -hmm. You know, what? let's say it's the, the human caused disasters, counterterrorism, Seaburn, whatever. But you're still that do you get to still fall back on that baseline right. at the same time if you can go somewhere else it's the reason why you know you fit in really well with that dynamic populations course it's mm -hmm. brand new it's not based off any standards it's mm -hmm. not based off of what anybody else is doing it's totally different from the field mm -hmm. and yet somehow it is also based off of standards and best practice and that foundational understanding and everybody should be on the same page of what emergency management does and does not do. Mm -hmm. We talk about security in that class. Mm -hmm. We're not teaching people how to go and handcuff people or detain people. Right. But they still can be involved in that process. Mm -hmm. Your final thoughts here. We just have a couple minutes. We're definitely gonna have to do a part two. And um, I'm, I'm lucky to have you on the show. Thank you. If you're talking to my audience right now who are mm -hmm. in the military looking to transition into emergency management, other than military, mm -hmm. if you could give them one piece of advice, what would it be? I would think it would be to find that organization, uh, core organization of emergency managers. So for example, I found the university and colleges caucus. Uh, I found it late though. So going into higher education, I wish I would have known that that was a thing early mm -hmm. on to be able to kind of grasp that knowledge and understanding of exactly what it is and get involved and be able to ask, uh, you know, your peers that are doing the same thing, more questions. And I am not afraid to ask questions. I just need to know who to ask, but I will go and ask the questions and get the answer. Right. So being able to kind of find that group of people um, is, is going to be the most important thing. So, like I said, a year and a half into it, I found that and I just kind of flourished from there. So now I'm a part of a working group on there and all kinds of stuff um, and really kind of just expanded my expertise in that just by asking questions. So that would probably be my thing is, is find that organization. Would you say that you florized from there? <laughs> uh, there's the dad joke. Uh, okay. The military perspective and transitioning needs to happen because there's a lot of people who would look to get into emergency management 
whether from adjacent field or maybe doing it in, in the Air Force, for example. And mm -hmm. we need to figure out how to help those people um, get over here all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, Vanessa, the, the field is very lucky to have you. We were lucky to have you at Die Pop, and we hope to see a future Die Pops. If we still do them, they do kill me every time. Yes. Um, but, but they're so awesome. You have to keep doing those. They're the I best. know. Well, we have great instructors and amazing students, and that that's really what, what it comes down to. Yeah, um, thank you for taking a few minutes out of your time to, to chat with me. And if um if you want to reach out to Vanessa because you're thinking about working at a university or you're transitioning out of the military, you can send us an email, of course. We always say that, but we stop giving the email address because we want you to comment on social media. Vanessa is on social media. Yes. You can tag her on LinkedIn or you can just put out the, the comment to the field. I bet there's a lot of people who have similar questions. Reach out to the community. If you got something out of this podcast, which you should have because it's incredible, Vanessa is awesome. You can give us that five-star rating and subscribe. Make sure you check out TRL Insider. It's a new thing that we're doing. It's another way to get involved with the community, especially online. It's where we're all spread out. And we'll see you for the next one. Peace. Thank you.